You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Stanley Cup final is set. It's the Blues versus the Bruins. But we are here talking about the Islanders because we are weird like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've done my best to try to not think about them too much because like, it's the weird when your team gets eliminated from the playoffs and, and the playoffs are still going on and you're thinking about next season, but nobody's, you know, really, I shouldn't say nobody because some people are talking about what they're going to do next year, but not enough people are talking about the Islanders right now. So there's just not enough like discourse, I guess, about, you know, will, will they sign this guy? Will they trade for this guy? So it's best to just separate yourself from it, I think. And that's what I'm doing. I'm actually trying to get ahead on some, uh, some cricket world cup previews. <laughs> <laughs> I wish well, I was kidding. That, that is exciting. But, however, uh, we are going to do uh, get some discourse about the Islanders going tonight and talking about some of their free agents and, and maybe uh, summertime moves. And who better to talk about that stuff with than uh, our friend, uh, athletic writer Arthur Staple. Arthur, uh, thanks for joining us. You do this not because you're weird but because it's your job. So thank you very much for coming on with us and uh, talking a little Islanders in the middle of the summer. Thank you for having me. I, I wish that Mike... Uh, we're paying a little bit more attention to the Islanders discourse that we're having over the athletic, but, uh, but now's as good a time as any to get him caught up. 
Uh, yes, <laughs> Mike said before we came on that he was he didn't want to wade in too much as uh, to kind of find the Islander stuff for all the Leafs uh, uh, information that's out there on the athletic, but, uh, but we'll help it. We'll guide you through, uh, to find the best Islanders, uh, content on the athletic, uh, which obviously is always written by Arthur. Um, but, uh, so let's start with, uh, with the end of last season and, uh, and then we'll move into the, the, uh, the summer and the free agents and all that good stuff. Um, so starting with, with, uh, clear out day, uh, the Islanders, it's funny now. I just, I went back and read some of your older articles and I, they've basically been done for about a month now. Which is kind of weird. Uh, I think May fourth they was when they played their last game, and so clear out day was a couple of days after that. Um, how would you describe the way the players sort of spoke uh, about the season at that point? I mean, I'm sure there was a mix of disappointment, but also, uh, you know, a bit of uh, probably pride about what what they had done. But was there a sense that like, man, I can't believe this is over? Because I don't know. That's kind of how I feel still. Yeah, I think there was, you know, I think heightened by the fact that they looked so good in putting the Penguins down and then just as quickly, they didn't look very good against Carolina and all the things that, you know, you might have thought would have backed up on them against uh, a team like Pittsburgh, backed up on them all at once against a team like Carolina, which on paper didn't look very much different than them. And certainly those first two games in Brooklyn that were, you know, the Islanders were by far the better team in both of them and came away with nothing. And that kind of demoralized them. And that's how quickly it can, it can turn on you in the playoffs that, uh, you know, a team like Carolina riding that wave all the way from game seven overtime win over Washington, get lucky in a couple of games, move right on. And then they get, you know, pancaked by the Bruins. And it's, you know, it's just amazing the whiplash you can get in the playoffs. So I think they felt like there was more there for them. Um, which is probably a sign, you know, I think they, you know, they had stopped kind of having that feeling of we don't, you know, people think we don't belong or, or think we're not good enough. I think they maybe disproved that over a very long stretch of success. They really didn't have any serious bumps in the road. You know, they didn't lose more than three in a row until they got to that Carolina series um, all year. So it's, it was, it was a pretty impressive start to finish season. And I think when you get into that as a player, uh, from having talked to plenty of them over the years, when it's over, especially as quickly as it was for the Islanders, you you kind of feel a little, you know, punched in the gut that, you know, we were going so well and what happened here. I mean, obviously from the outside, you could see some of the issues, but, uh, but yeah, they, they definitely wanted it to continue. And I think they felt like even faced with a Bruins team that certainly looks like they were one of the, you know, they're playing like one of the best two or three teams in the league, which they were all year long, um, that they could have competed pretty well against them. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of belief and I think that makes it sting even a little bit more. Yeah. yeah they were not, they were not going to beat the Bruins. <laughs> that, that, I think it was, it, I, I, I would have taken of the 30 other teams. I would have taken all 29 of them, an all-star team versus, versus that team, just because they just, they're the, that style and the, how they're just a machine with, uh, with how they're playing. And, with Tuka Rask going the way he is, it was just not going to, that was not going to happen for them. No, no. And it was, you know, you could see the, even if they'd somehow turned it around against Carolina, um, that would have been a, a kind of a knockdown drag out. And yeah. And the Bruins really, of all the teams in the league this year, you could really say the Bruins were the only one that had their number all year long where they, you know, I think mean, they got, they got a point off of the Bruins in the three games and, and uh, you know, Boston really had a lot of the same elements that led them to success that the Islanders did this year, 
just with more skill. You know, their top line um, was a good two-way line and is one of the best two-way lines probably in recent hockey history and can produce the way that they can. Their fourth line scores a lot of goals the way the Islanders did, but I think those guys in the Bruins are maybe a little bit more consistent. You're seeing that in the playoffs. Uh, and their decor is, uh, you know, they've got some really, really good high-end younger guys too, not just Chara, but you know, Charlie McAvoy has been a beast. And, and yeah, like the goaltending has, has been uh, has been without compare really in the playoffs. So um, I'm curious to see how the finals go. But, yeah, it would, it would have been um, – it would have been a hard landing, I guess, no matter whether it was second round of the conference final for the Islanders. I think I think it's so funny that that Chris Wagner is on this team, and and then if you look back at the roster from last year, I think Brandon Davidson, of players on that team that that played more than ten games, I think it was like Davidson and one other player I can't remember now, were the only two from the Islanders of last year to not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I mean Chris Wagner's. There was a reason they got him. I think the intention was good. He's a decent player for a fourth line guy. He's had stretches like this, and um, you know, I think uh, the brief conversations I had with him at the end of last year, I think he was kind of mystified at what situation he was walking <laughs> into with that team. So, um, you know, I think everybody's better off. And I, I imagine, I imagine if they had signed Chris Wagner instead of Leo Komarov, you know to a shorter term deal for a lot less money, they might've gotten pretty much the same bang for their buck. And, uh, you know, but that's, maybe that's for the roster, the 1920 roster discussion. We'll talk about, uh, what's to come, but yeah, it's, it's, it is fascinating that anybody that kind of even was remotely connected to that, that Islander team last year that ended up moving on was just, you know, I think a little shell shocked by how they participated in it and, and, you know, probably fortunate to be out of it. I know uh, very few Islanders fans are going to be rooting for a Boston team in the Stanley Cup Finals, but reminder that Yaroslav Halak is on that team, our old friend, uh, now with a chance to actually be one of another one of his old teams uh, for the Stanley Cup. So that'd be something to root for there. I don't know if you could root for old Yaro. I, I kind of would, and but obviously our friend Dom is rooting for St. Louis, his other team. Uh, congratulations! I send congratulations along to him. I, I have absolutely no idea what he's going through right now because. That's unbelievable that <laughs> your team was in dead last and then all of a sudden ends up in the, the Stanley Cup final. That's the, crazy. The Islanders fixed them, right? right? The Islanders fixed the Blues and the Stars this year. <laughs> and the Avalanche, right? And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, so oh, and, it's kind no, of like the we're there with them. It was, yeah, yeah, right. You said yeah. the Stars, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. Blues, Stars, and Avalanche. Uh, they all they all were fixed by Barry. Barry Trotz somehow yeah. coached all three of those teams to, to very successful seasons, too. That's how you win jack adams trophy but uh but i'm glad you brought up trots because i i have a similar question for them and you know carrie haber and i talked last week and and you know our our big thing was you know we, we could talk about the numbers from last year but regardless of where the islanders ended up um they can't just sit on their hands this isn't a kind of team that can just sort of roll back with the same exact roster they had last year including signing a bunch of ufas that we're all going to talk about later um they need to make improvements and one of the encouraging a couple of the encouraging things that were said at clear out day one were, was lou lamorello saying that the decision to stamp pat at the trade deadline was his he owns it um you know he didn't feel like he wanted to pay the prices out there for making upgrades and that was his thing and you know, maybe that was a mistake, but that's what he wanted to do. And he, you know, that's on him. But Barry Trotz basically coming out and saying, being very blunt, you know, and somebody asked, hey, you know, what do you think your team next year needs next year? He was like, we need more pop up front, <laughs> which, you know, is a very blunt Trotzian way of saying, yeah, we need to score a lot more goals than we did this year. Um, so 
I guess a similar question. Like, what what was the vibe you got from from the management types? I know there's probably not much leaking out after Clear Out Day because you know they're like Fort Knox. But like, what was the sense you got from from those guys as to where they want to take this team next year? Because yeah, they they do need to score more, but I mean they're gonna need other stuff too. Yeah, I think, and I think it was Lou that also said, you know, you coach with what you've got in front of you, and or you you know that's how you build. That's how you try to have success with what you've got. And I think that was kind of a, a telling comment because they knew what they had, which was not a lot of skill, uh, but a lot of so-called character guys and a few guys they were unsure about. Uh, you know, when you think of guys like Brock Nelson, perhaps uh, not sure what they had. So Barry Trotz did what Barry Trotz does, which is, you know, connect with a lot of guys. And I think over the course of the year, whether it was myself or even other people, ta- you know, writing stories about, him having individual meetings or, or, or phone conversations with guys uh, who are around the country uh, in the summer to kind of connect and say, this is what we expect of you. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, that was a new thing for a lot of guys that have been here a long time. And I think they uh, a lot of them embraced it right away and, and put their best foot forward. And um, but as you said, you can't you can't ride that wave every year. You know, it, it'd be it'd be. Uh, you know, Mitch Korn and Piero Greco did a great job with the two goalies, but you're not going to say, well, we won't sign Robin Leonard uh, because we'll try this again with somebody else. We'll get Cam Talbot in here and see if we can fix him <laughs> and do that. I think the idea is that you, you take what you accomplished and move forward with it, whether it's with the same guys or with some of the same guys or with none of the same guys. It's, um, you know, they have to, you have to keep growing and, and kind of fitting in with the times and, and, uh, so I think there, there's a certain sense of accomplishment for what they did. And still maybe, you know, I think Lou had said it all the way along. He was genuinely surprised by how, how good the theme was this year. But I don't think that that's going to lull him into a state of satisfaction or, or, you know, thinking back to Islanders circa summer of 2013, where a little bit of success suddenly turned them into, we got to keep all our guys because we made the playoffs and almost won around. Um, you know, I think, I think Lou's been around the block pl- plenty of times to know that uh, you can't just stand pat and you also can't blow it up and start fresh. Um, there has to be some progress. That's obviously, you know, the, the, the top six of their forward group uh, seems to be the, the biggest need. But they also have a lot of guys who need new contracts. And, uh, and I, if you, you know, go down to the wire with all of them. There, there is a lesson from before he was here from three years ago when they did the last time they made the second round and, and Garth Snow was prepared to prepared to let Kyle Opozo go. And Matt Martin was going to go because it just was going to get too much term and too much money. But the Franz Nielsen situation was definitely one that, uh, if there's anyone in the office still that worked under Garth Snow, that's here under Lou might want to bring that, that up, that, that, uh, letting that, whatever they had built to that point, suddenly fall apart and replace it with some different pieces in free agency just it's not the blueprint you can work on anymore uh in the nhl you need to you need to keep some of your guys and keep continuity and um keep building off of what you what they just did so i think it's a it's a pretty pretty fine balancing act and uh and it'll be interesting to see where they go with it they they have quite a bit as you wrote today in the athletic you know they they have quite a bit of cap space even if they were to bring basically all of their their free agents back they still have a lot to work with so i mean there are a lot of different avenues uh that they can go but one other consideration before we even get to those guys are the, are the guys that are signed currently and a couple of them are hurt 
like in a big way. Uh, Andrew Ladd had surgery before the end of the season on the other knee that had not been hurt previously. So his entire lower half is really in a bad <laughs> shape. And after the season ended, you know, the, the sort of roll call of injuries started coming out. And yeah, Scott Mayfield had a busted ankle that he was playing on for a while. And Adam Pellick was kind of messed up. But uh, Cal Clutterbuck's back is like twisted into a pretzel at this point. Like he's got slipped everything and, and broken all of this. this. Um, you know, what is that their outlook? Do you know? Like, I mean, uh, we're talking about like months of rehab. How do you think that's going to affect, you know, how they kind of look at free agency and, and additions going forward? I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, Lad, I think he certainly spoke like he was optimistic that he was going to be able to be ready for the season. I honestly don't see how, you know, it's, it's an ACL. It's a five to six month injury. He's not a young guy. I know he just went through a long rehab for the torn meniscus in his other knee, but that just cause you do it once doesn't mean you can do it again. Yeah. Usually you get a little, it's a little slower the next time around when you're 33 or 34. Um, and I just missing the whole off season on the ice and all of training camp. You know, I, if he's, ready to play in any shape by december i'd be stunned yeah. and that's that's just i think that's just a realistic timeline you know he's, he's an elite athlete they're they're built to prove people wrong but um that does you know missing the whole off season all your training uh getting your timing down on the ice trying to do the whole get you know faster stronger quicker all the usual stuff that guys talk about having some of it is important and missing all of a Barry Trotz training camp can't help you. So, um, you know, I think, I think there, there's no real, you know, you can't buy him out if he's hurt. Um, I, I know I've seen some, some people even on my own site throw on the idea of trading him for a bad contract, but I don't really get that because he's essentially a, he's a IR slash long-term IR candidate wherever he goes for at least the first half of the year. And there's still time left on his deal. So I don't, you know, I think you'd rather have a guy who you could turn around playing as opposed to a guy that you have to wait several months to see if you could turn him around. Um, so I think he's still the Islanders problem for the foreseeable future. And, and uh, you know, as I wrote today, noodling around on, on Cap Friendly's armchair GM uh, section, which is the greatest thing on online for this time <laughs> of year, um, you know that if they need the space, the cap space, I think he's a he's an LTIR candidate to start the year. And if they don't, he's just on regular IR. And um, you know he's like every injured guy; he's around, but he's not really around. And and when it comes to Clutterbuck, you know I think there's still some some gray area there. You know the Islanders aren't really the ones like like you see with Carolina announcing that Calvin DeHaan had shoulder shoulder surgery once again, which is too bad for him. Um, but I don't think the Islanders are tend to come right out and say, this guy had this exact thing and he's had this surgery and this is how long it's going to be. Uh, you know, Cal seemed pretty despondent about not being able to play that last game. I think there's some, some wonderment that he played any of the games that he did with all that was wrong with his back uh, and managed to actually throw such a big hit that he ended another guy's season, which is <laughs> probably didn't feel so good for him, but uh, was worse for Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Um so, yeah, I, don't, I know I think it could be, uh, you know, therapy and a short term surgery fix uh, or it could be something more major that takes him into next season. But I think at this point, you just have to say he's a question mark and he's also another guy who's on the other side of 30. So um, and that's a, you know, lad obviously didn't play very much last year. So it's you can envision a, a good lineup without him. 
And you could certainly envision a good lineup, but without Clutterbuck. But to go out and spend money to replace him on that fourth line, um, you know, they have plenty of candidates for that kind of stuff. They've got guys like Tanner Fritz, who's a free agent. You know, Leo Komarov is still here. Uh, you know, he could play on that line. Casey Sezikis could maybe shuffle around and be a third liner instead. And then you have a more traditional fourth line of guys who don't who play a little bit less than that fourth line did, whether it's with Matt Martin and Leo Komarov and Tanner Fritz or whoever. Maybe Michael Dalcall is in the mix there. Um, so yeah, I think there's I think there's cheaper options available if you need to plug a hole with a with a fourth line guy than than the other you know, more headline issues that they have. But, uh, but Cal Clutterbuck had a great year uh, for what he brings to the table. And, and, uh, and it is a shame that uh, there's all this, you know, uncertainty surrounding where he's going to be starting next season. Uh, we've talked a lot about how that line doesn't really work as well when one guy is out versus when the three of them are working. So, you know, his, his injury probably worries me more than anybody else's. Like you said, Lad was kind of I mean, I, I hate to put it this way. He's a human being, but he was a little bit out of sight, out of mind this year. Like I didn't really, I think for a good chunk of the season, I didn't, I totally forgot Andrew Ladd was even on this team because they were, they were playing really well. But if, when Clutterbuck misses a game, it's all of a sudden like, mm, I don't know how this is going to work. This is going to be a problem. So, um, and, uh, I, and you know, I completely forgot too, after reading your article today that they had, uh, they had zero points in the playoffs, that fourth line, yet somehow the Islanders still swept the Penguins. Uh, and if you had told me that they had led the team in scoring in that series, I, I would have believed you because they just seemed to kind of be everywhere. But uh, there you go. Um, one guy I just want to bring up real quick before we uh, we get to the break. He's the only the only RFA. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Uh, we have two RFAs, but you brought up Michael Dow Cole before. Uh, but Anthony Beauvillier is also an RFA. Um, you know, in previous administrations, the Islanders have had uh, – kind of gone down to the wire with Brock Nelson, obviously famously Josh Bailey too, have gone down to the wire uh, signing, you know, before, just before the season started. Do you see that with, with either Beauvillier or Dal Cole, or do you kind of see them maybe getting re-signed a little bit earlier than that? You know, I think Dal Cole is probably in a situation where it's going to be something close to his qualifying offer, whether it's, you know, under a million around a million, you know, I don't think he's had enough, skin in the game yet as an NHLer to really make a lot of demands. Um, Bovillia is a more interesting case. Guys, you know, he's all three of his entry-level deals, uh, entry-level years, rather, were spent in the NHL. He's shown some good flashes. Um, he kind of has also shown a little versatility where, they, you know, he could be a fourth a fourth liner, a third liner, a winger, a center. Um, he's done some power play. So, you know, I think he's kind of an interesting case. Uh, you know, as I put in there today, you know, I think a two-year bridge deal in the $2 million range kind of, uh, uh, you know, a little bit lower scale than what Ryan Pollock got uh, last year um, seems seems like the wisest course because Bovillia hasn't really established himself as a regular top sixer and a regular 20-goal scorer, even though he did it once. Um, but he also hasn't shown that he needs uh, a ton of seasoning anywhere else. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of the most prudent course of action. I can't imagine it's going to be anything where it goes down to the wire. The only real consideration is that, um, you know, he was kind of the, the, the roster trade chip that, that Lamarillo was dangling around at the trade deadline for some of those bigger names. Um, so whether that's another consideration this summer, we'll have to see, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, if it's him and the 23rd pick, which is what Lamarillo was offering before they knew it was the 23rd pick, um, see what that can 
bring you back uh, if they feel they can they can do better. Then Bovillier is kind of the the you know the, the utility man of their their forward group. Um, to my mind, there's not a ton of youth on that forward group as it is. There's there's Matthew Barzell in terms of homegrown guys, and then uh, the next youngest guy I think is is Brock Nelson. So <laughs> um, maybe you try to keep your 22 year old guys in the yeah. fold for at least a little bit longer. I would think. Um, there is another RFA that I didn't mention, uh, and that's Josh Hosang. Oh, uh, I forget. <laughs> I know the failure to mention Josh Hosang at, at any opportunity is really is really an oversight <laughs> on my part. But uh, but yeah, and I think I failed to mention him because I genuinely have no yeah. earthly idea whether they're going <laughs> to even give him a qualifying offer or mm-hmm. what sort of what sort of role he has on this team. My general feeling is that he doesn't have a role on this team uh, going forward, but. Stranger things have happened, and it only cost them a qualifying offer to see if he wants to stay and, and try to prove himself again. But um, I just don't. I think, you know, maybe he belongs in the in the in that more realistic roster projection where he's still got a shot to make the make the team out of camp. But in my in my heart of hearts, I tend to feel like um, he's not part of their plans. But we'll have to see. There's a few months still to go on that. Hmm. He's uh, starting to. He's starting just to feel like um you know rob shrempish in in the in the way that he's just gonna he'll he came in lightning rod and then will you know end up in in europe and you know do well there and then come back and and be fun to to interact with as like a a twitter pundit or whatever (laughs) that's my that's my that's my guess possibly Josh is a is a savvier guy than Rob Shrimp, so I hope that I hope there's higher aspirations for him uh, as a as a either on social media or in hockey. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to cut bait with him. If anyone decides to take a flyer on him, I'm curious to see. Um, I would figure that somebody would even you know even just in a, you know a two way deal or something just to get him in the fold and see what he can do. Maybe that'll change his outlook uh or he could go to the khl and light it up or somewhere else i you know who i knows? totally see him playing for like some german league team <laughs> and then coming back and when the uh seattle expansion team you know starts like kind of acquiring players and it's like oh my god they've signed josh hosang oh my god this is great now he can play and then you know he plays that first year and then he's never heard from again or something like that <laughs> but uh yeah you're, so. you're- you wrote a lot of that story there, Dan. I'm I'm curious to see how that went. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll we'll see we'll see where that goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, you know, the, Josh is the ultimate wild card. Like literally, like we have absolutely no idea. Like you said, what's going to happen to him? Uh, but uh, we have uh, some other cards to talk about, and uh, we're going to get to all that stuff: the UFAs, the projected lineups, maybe some trades, some good stuff. Right after these messages. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, at The Athletic this week, uh, Arthur posted uh, a really cool article. I liked how you did this. You, you had three possible lineups uh, for the Islanders going forward. You had an ideal lineup, a, uh, oh boy, this is a worst case scenario lineup, and then maybe a more realistic sort of, you know, uh, this and that uh, lineup that with some options that could present themselves and maybe could possibly happen. Uh, I want to start with the ideal lineup like you did because it's the best case scenario. Uh, it includes Artemi Panarin, who would be signed as a UFA. Uh, Brandon Saad, who uh, would be a, a trade candidate, who's a guy actually I kind of had in my mind as a potential trade candidate as well. Uh, you're, you're going out on a limb and saying that the Islanders are actually going to do the impossible and sign an RFA uh, in Kaspari Kapanen, who the Leafs uh, might be hard-pressed to sign when they've got Mitch Marner also to sign. Um, you know, I just uh, – with that lineup there, it also includes Anders Lee and Nelson and Leonard and everybody being re-signed except for Jordan Everly. Um, so let, let's start with those guys. Um, you know, I, I know you can't divulge too much, but, you know, we had heard all season that – Lee's agent, Neil Sheehy, had been hanging around with the Islanders and they had been talking a lot and, you know, the, the negotiations were going back and forth. But yet here we are. It's May 22nd and, you know, July is fast approaching and these guys haven't signed yet. Um, do you have any idea what that holdup might be? Is it something we should be worried about or is it just kind of like business as usual, basically? I mean, they're, they're quite clearly still talking as of the last time that I, you know, checked <laughs> in with anybody. But I, you know, I think the sticking point uh, all the way along has been term. You know, it's it's uh, the money is the money. Uh, I think for a guy who's got Anders Lee's resume, um, you know, I think as I as I had written last week, talking to some some other executives and agents around the league, that you know the the Max Pacioretty seven million per that he got from Vegas, it was only four years, which is a pretty shrewd move by Vegas, but. Um, you know, I think seven million is kind of the going rate for your top score on a team, maybe that doesn't score a lot. Uh, so that doesn't seem like it's a huge sticking point. But you know, from what I understand, it's been the years. You know, I, I imagine that the ask from Lee's camp started at eight years uh, when the season began, and I imagine that the the, the first uh, salvo back was something more like five years. And I think we're probably maybe it's still five years on one side and it's seven years on the other. And that's, you know, that's a big, mm. it's a big gap. You know, it's <laughs> people don't, it doesn't seem like a lot because you could just um, compromise and say six years, but, but two years difference. in uh, you know, for a guy who wants security a guy who's the captain of the team, I, who feels like they put the C on my sweater. Uh, I sacrificed a lot of offense for the sake of the team played a pretty good two way game. Uh, we did pretty well with me as the captain, so why not reward that? But, um, you know, I think, Lou, like any GM, is it's not just about what you need to do this summer. Um, you know, next summer, Matthew Barzell needs a new contract, and he's not going to take a lot less than anything, that, than the, la the most that he's worth. Uh, Ryan Pollock will need a new contract. He's probably still going to be their number one defenseman next year. 
Devon Taves needs a new contract, and that's going to be a big raise over seven hundred grand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's there's other considerations at work here. So I think you don't want to be tied up too long in a guy who's you know, an Anders Lee who's going to be twenty nine this summer, which is not young, and he takes a, a real beating every time he's on the ice, <laughs> especially in front of the net. Um, so yeah, you know, I still have still have that belief and i think a lot of the people that i talk to none of whom are necessarily closely connected with the islanders but they all certainly understand the 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 market that this is a deal that's going to get done um you know even if even if anders lee gets to that contact period the week before which would really you know i i think Mm -hmm. if you get we get to the draft week and there's still nothing uh then it's probably time to get a little concerned with this one because then there's some probably some animosity that gets baked in at not at you know, one side not having budged much. Um, and really, once you get to that contact week, uh, and as thin as the free agent class is, you never know who's going to step forward with seven years or six years at a, at a decent number. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a bit surprising. But, but Lou's mantra, as he says a lot, is when you have time, you use it. And he is certainly using it. Um, uh, and you would hope that it doesn't, he doesn't use it to the last possible second and upset his captain. <laughs> He's driving us crazy using this time. <laughs> this time. Uh, but uh, but you know, speaking of that that sort of weak free agency class, that that's where like a guy like Brock Nelson really, you know, can can maybe see things a little bit differently. Like Lee, you know, wants the security. He's the captain. He you know again like all that stuff you said. He probably wants to stay, and I, I think Brock wants to stay too. But at the same time, there are so few centers available this year, and Brock had such a great season that. Uh, I am, you know, I think a lot of we've been saying this all year now, like, you know, last year, I think most Islanders fans would have been like, well, whatever, we could let him walk. But now it's almost like they kind of have to sign Nelson for something. And you're you don't want them to sign him for too much again, for the same exact reasons you laid out. But, um, you know, is again, same question, basically, like, is that something that are are they working? uh, Elliot Friedman had a a bit in his 31 thoughts about how they were kind of working towards something, which was a little bit like, well, that's weird. I didn't think that that would get out there but uh you know does it seem like he's probably going to stay or or you think he's going to get to that talking period you know i i imagine it's a balancing act uh, for both those sides i you know anders lee's situation if he weren't the captain I, I wouldn't i think the islanders wouldn't be too concerned but i think of these four guys you know robin leonard is probably um one of the maybe maybe he's tied with nelson as the most important of the four and uh, and and that may be surprising to some people but i think it really has to do with how few good centers are available uh and if matt duchene resigns in columbus that you know brock nelson becomes essentially the 1a or 1b of the center class along with kevin hayes that's it um <laughs> you know then then once you get below those guys you're looking at guys like Derek broussard um and then you're into you're into like yeah, I don't know if we could commit to this guy. Yeah. Um, and if you know that Brock Nelson fits your system, which it seems like he does, and he responded pretty well to everything that Barry Trotz threw at him, um, you live with the the streakiness and the and the sort of you know vaguely shaggy Scooby Doo air about him that he always <laughs> seems to have, um, because there just isn't anybody out there. You know, he's he's one of the younger free agents on the market. He's not going to be twenty eight until October. Um, he doesn't have a ton of wear and tear. He's a really durable player. He's only missed mm. maybe four or five games in his entire Islander career. Um, and he scored some big goals. You know, he, uh, 
you know, him and Josh Bailey on that second line were pretty effective against the Penguins. Obviously, Jordan Everly and Matthew Barzal were driving things, but uh, but I think Nelson had two game winners in that series. He was mm. he was real good, and um, yeah, he didn't he didn't do very he didn't play very well against Carolina, but nobody did. So <laughs> uh, it's hard to it's hard to single him out. And I think if if you accept the idea that Matthew Barzal has a year under his belt under Barry Trotz, and I think. Is going to come back with a vengeance in year three, especially if he's got some higher skilled wingers on his on his either side. You can just accept that Brock Nelson is going to be Mister Dependable, second line center. Maybe he'll play with Lee and Bailey. Maybe he'll play with Lee and somebody else. And and him and Lee were a pretty good tandem, uh, you know, as far as the metrics went this entire season. Um, guy will play some power play. He'll probably do some penalty more penalty killing than he had before. Be relied on for maybe some more faceoffs than he had before. Um, and you know, I, I, it all adds up to a guy who's going to get paid, whether it's by the Islanders or by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, people respond to some of these numbers that, that I've thrown out over the last week or so and say, Oh, I don't know. You can pay that much money for this guy. And it's the answer with Brock Nelson more so than anybody else is who else are you going to give it to? You know, Matt Duchesne is, uh, even if he doesn't stay in Columbus, that's going to be the guy that everybody's chasing after and giving 10 million bucks to. And I don't, I don't really see them having two $10 million centers. Uh, I don't know that, I don't know that that works for them. Um, so I think if you're not looking to duplicate skill sets, uh, and you want a clear number one and a clear number two, Brock Nelson is as good a clear number two as there is out there. And, you know, Kevin Hayes is probably a little more skilled. Um, but this is the guy that you know already. And if you like what, if you have him and you like him, why, why mess around? So, you know, I think when you when the numbers come out on Brock Nelson, whether he stays and clearly if they're negotiating, which seems like they are, then he wants to stay because if he didn't want it, if he wanted to just go for the big money, he'd wait around and, and wait for the office to come rolling in at the end of next month. So I think if there's a sense of urgency for any of these guys, it, I, I kind of rank Nelson a little bit ahead of Lee just based on the position that he plays and the, and the things that he can do um, that there's not a lot of other guys out there that can do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think also there's, there's two things, right? The, the, the Lee thing, I think is much more, there's a lot more optics and off the ice, like kind of stuff that, that is going to be floating around. Like it's, it won't look good if, if the, for the second straight year, the captain is uh picks a, a different destination uh but yeah on, on ice it's it's definitely nelson who's more important and you look at like the bruins the bruins have had david Krejci playing that number two role behind patrice bergeron since like 1993 it seems like <laughs> so so like i mean you think barzell being that bergeron type i think he's you know they're not perfect comparables because bergeron's obviously much better two ways and uh barzell may be a little bit uh, more skilled going forward but if you have the, you know Matt Barzell and Brock Nelson being the the guy behind him who uh, is like you said Mister Dependable, uh, that's that's a really good one too going forward. And uh, yeah, I think the like he he's he was the one I I assumed even more than Everly going into the year that I was watching Brock Nelson's last eighty two games as an Islander because or I would be, but then yeah, like just he changed. Robin Leonard aside, I don't think a team, a player in the organization changed the kind of overall league wide perception of a player more than more than Nelson did. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, everybody else's numbers went down and his went up 
and I understand it's you know he's playing three and a half minutes more a night than he had the last couple of years, but it it wasn't just power play points. Their power play sucked, and uh, <laughs> this is a guy who you know was twenty two even strength goals this year, which was top forty in the league. Uh, you know to be able to produce on a team that that really struggled to score goals, even in games that they were winning. Um, yeah, it was an impressive year for him. And, and it's his uh, first year of playing. It, it, he he came in as a uh, very like well regarded hockey IQ type prospect from from his like North Dakota days. And this was his first year. And all due respect to Cap Capuano and uh, Doug Waite, but this is his first year under a really good coach. So this could just be the you know the foundation of what we're going to see from from him as as a you know, complete player going forward for the next, you know, four years in his prime. Yeah. And frankly, um, if they had come back to win the Carolina series, that head pat would have been on every, it should, should have been the cover of their media guide for hundred years. It was, yeah. it was the greatest subtle on ice move I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, real quick that we've talked about him before too, was, was Robin Leonard, who, again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record now, but it's, it is a little surprising that he hasn't signed yet considering, you know, more so almost than Lee, just the connection he forged with the, with the team and the community and the fan base and all that stuff. Uh, and I, I found it funny that, you know, I, I he hasn't signed yet, but we've all kind of like. Maybe we shouldn't because we're Islanders fans. We, you know, we kind of taken for granted that he will sign at some point. I mean, it's been such a great marriage between the two. But when I read your your second sort of worst case scenario lineup here, and I saw Thomas Grice and Mike Smith there, all of a sudden it hit home. Like, woof, that would be that would be really bad. Like, you know, no offense to Mike Smith, but I mean, after all that we've been through with Leonard this year, that would be, you know that would be just a huge letdown for him to go sign someplace else. Um, you know, I know at the end of the season, he had said that there hadn't been any negotiations and that's not necessarily surprising because he probably wanted to focus on the hockey, but have you heard anything since then? Like maybe they're, they're talking or, or what? You know, he has the same agent as, as Jordan Everly. So I imagine yeah. there's been some conversations. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just find, I think with everybody except Lee, um, you know, and obviously you put the C on the guy's chest, you're, you're seeming like you want to commit to him. So I think that's why those conversations got started early. But I think with the other guys, um, it was definitely, uh, we need to see what we need to see out of you. And, and really, like you said, Nelson took a huge step forward, but I, you know, Robin Leonard is going to be accepting at least two awards. I don't think he's going to get the Vezina in Vegas next month, but mm. if he's up on stage, you know, are they panned to him or he's standing there with Thomas Grice looking sweaty and awkward in tuxedo getting <laughs> getting the Jennings trophy and there's still nothing about a contract. That's not great. Um, mm. That's really taking it down to the wire. And again, it's, you know, all you have to do, I, I don't I hate to keep plugging cap friendly, but go on there and <laughs> take a quick look at the available goalies. Once you get past Sergei Bobrovsky, mm. it's uh, it's a lot of guys over 30. Some of them are way over 30 and and definitely past their prime you're into the mike smith cam talbot brian elliott uh area which you know then you start getting on the treadmill of the calgary's and the phillies of the world who keep shooting themselves in the foot because they can't find a goalie to to be a consistent winner for them and the islanders one year doesn't be a consistent winner but i think all of the stuff that robin leonard went through off the ice uh last spring and last summer uh, to be able to come back and 
put the numbers up that he did, and also to put the numbers up that he did when he was uh, an undiagnosed bipolar manic depressive <laughs> and substance abuser, they still had some good years in Buffalo mm. um, and with some bad teams. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think, again, when you talk about age, he's by far the youngest, you know, regular goalie uh, who's going to hit the market. And that's going to entice some teams to, you know, if he's only looking maybe for four or five years uh, and five million or so for a, a team that strikes out on Bobrovsky, you know, I can think of Edmonton could certainly use him and put him in net. And, uh, you know, the Oilers are in such a terrible division. They're a good goalie away from competing for a division title. Um, and there's certainly some other teams out West that you could think of that, uh, <clears throat> that might be able to use a guy like Leonard. So I, I you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe is that Lou is as savvy as he is in his experience that he is, as he is that that this isn't something that could get done easily in the next month um and if it hasn't that's one that I'd be you know then I'd start to be real concerned about the overall direction of the team if we start creeping up on that contact period and they're still still not willing to to come to a deal um like I said, Leonard and Nelson are kind of the headline ones for me. But I like, and as Mike said, Lee is more is more good optics. And I think you have to put you have to put a good face on the organization that's still got a little bit of a laughing stock reputation in it. Uh, and people, as we get closer to July one, we'll start remembering about Tavares and all that nonsense from last summer, which we'll never talk about again. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry, we're not forgetting anytime <laughs> soon. But uh, but yeah, if you if you do that again and you're I mean, it was a different situation with Tavares. But then if you're hardballing your captain, I don't you know, then suddenly you've got guys and their agents saying, geez, you know, it's not like they're a prime destination or anything right now. Just because just off of one good year, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if any if, if my clients, given their druthers, would uh, would choose to go there if they're going to let their their guys that they're putting the C on their chests walk so um yeah it's uh, it's hard to advocate for like we said at the top you know you don't want to stand pat but i think in this situation um you know three out of four of these guys uh coming back doesn't doesn't kill what you want to do free agency and trade wise and in the future uh and and it's again about the foundation part of things that that lou and barry talked about a lot this year that uh you know lee and nelson are not just because you're going to give them big free agent money, six or seven million, they're not your top line guys. They're they're your they're your core guys. And uh, and Leonard, obviously, you know, you've got another year of Thomas Grice. Why not ride that 45, 37 game split for another year? Because that seems to be, you know, you've got two teams in the finals. One's got a goalie that wasn't even in the NHL or on anybody's <laughs> radar a few months ago. And in Boston, we talked. You talked a little about Yarrow. Yarrow carried that team the first half of the year when Rask wasn't doing very well so i think the uh the the two goalie system seems to be coming back into vogue again yeah yeah it worked for them i think even you know going further with the the leonard stuff right you don't you don't have any of these guys you know dotted uh, on the dotted line by that talk that uh whatever the the hell the hell week of for new york islander (laughs) fans i don't know what else to call it but uh then you're looking at like you could start building out a team of all the free agents that have walked. Uh, you know, I'm sure the, the hockey news will put one out. You know, sure. this is here's the here's a, the Islanders all free agent team with with Oposo and Nielsen and Leonard. So it, it it would just look so demoralizing. And I think that was you know part of the reason why 
we were so into celebrating the season while it was going on and, and, and like relishing the moment was because we've, we've had all these, these horrible off seasons with, with guys, you know, leaving, whether it was because of bad management or because, you know, they were just, you know, snakes, but, uh, there's just there's just like if we get if you if we get to that point and and you'll see why like we were a little dour at the end of the season rather than you know being like you know we we can look back on the season and be happy is because the season that it's kind of not over yet like there had the happy ending there there should have been a happy ending but it kind of hasn't happened yet and it, it won't until you know Nelson Lee and Leonard or some combination of these guys hit uh, signed because uh, yeah it would just be another gut punch in in a year, but we thought the gut punches were over. Uh, well, uh, let me also say that if there's going to be uh, a story insulting the Islanders, obviously we're going to write it. So <laughs> yes, they're lined uh, up at the athletic. All the yes. loose guys are already ready. <laughs> the, the, I always and bring all, up the, the Ryan Pollock thing. I thought it was so funny that, that I, I, all of a sudden I had a couple of people like this thing about Ryan Pollock having a defense of uh, uh, disappointing playoffs was, <laughs> blow my mind and i was like what are you talking about and i, and I just scrolled down and i was like oh, this is the dude that that he played 20 minutes a night against Sidney crosby who <laughs> gets his own athletic article at night so but anyways um i digress i just i couldn't believe that they, they had to drag the islanders into that yeah well we're we're fond of our list what can i tell you <laughs> yes yeah, well, well, I'll definitely link to that uh, that uh, article uh, in the thing there. But uh, moving on from the <laughs> the the subject of the athletic uh, and uh, or Arthur's athletic colleagues and their biases, um, the uh, the your article today also brought up a, a bunch of guys who we hadn't really talked about all that much, whether they'd be UFAs. Well, Artemi Panarin we talked about a lot, but but. Um, uh, guys like Jeff Skinner or Kasperi Kapanen, again, who's an RFA, uh, or even or Wayne Simmons, who I used to love as a player. I still love as a player, but I'm not quite sure he's he's right for the Islanders, as you, as you point out. He's in the uh, the worst case scenario section. Um, but also uh, Jason Zucker as a potential trade, uh, you know, candidate, as well as Brandon Saad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't ask you to like predict the future or anything like that. But do you get the sense that? Um, or should, should I say, like, is there – do you think Lou has the appetite for trades like this? I know in his career he's made, he's not been afraid to make big trades. Obviously, he brought McGillney and Gilmore and guys like that to the Devils and, and made the Anderson trade for the Leafs and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's funny. We, we I have to kind of get myself into the mindset that the Islanders can make trades because it feels like the last trade the Islanders made of significance was the uh, – the 2014 Letty Boychuk trades, and now here we are talking about maybe using Nick Letty as a trade chip again. And it's kind of hard to get my brain into that space of like, yes, let's trade, let's make trades, because I never thought that Garth Snow would make any trades. Um, but like Zucker and and uh, and Saad would be, I don't know if I call them buy low candidates, but they would be good guys to add. Um, do you get the sense that that's the kind of moves that Lou was trying to make, or that you know? Um, or they're going to try and go the, the the UFA route and get guys like Simmons on the lower end of the scale, Hagelin also on the lower end of the scale, or Panarin, who's obviously the biggest fish in the pond this year. I mean, I think you can do both. Mm. I don't I don't know that they're there. It's an either or scenario. You know, I, I certainly floated it early enough uh, in the season that that the emergence of Devon Taves after he came up helped the idea that Nick Letty might be better off elsewhere just because. He's a guy who's got a very good established track record. He's still got the wheels, um, you know, con- a little bit of 
confidence uh, problems aside the last couple of years, um, he's still a very viable player. And I think he's, he's maybe more useful to a team that's got some established top pair guys like in Minnesota, uh, especially if they're looking to make some major moves and, and change the way that they play. Like a Chicago who uh, needs to get younger on the blue line, and obviously they're very familiar with with Nick Letty and did not want to part with him, and certainly gave up uh, gave him up for very little back five years ago. Um, so I, you know, I think, and I, I think early in the year, I wild, you know, the wild like pipe dream is maybe a Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I, I can't imagine with a new GM out in Edmonton that they're going to try to make such a demonstrative move. Um, but, you know, I think a top six, you know, scoring winger who's maybe got a little too much contract eating up space or maybe has tailed off a little bit. I think kind of the forward equivalent of Nick Letty, um, you know, and Brandon Stodd's still a young guy. Jason Zucker's still a young guy. Zucker still has four years left on his deal. So that's not, that's why he doesn't really go in the ideal section for me, I think. Another name that I considered putting in there was Mike Hoffman in Florida, although I'm not sure where Nick Letty fits uh, on a team that already has Keith Yandel. <laughs> but um, be that as it may, you know, I, I think teams have, have made these kind of moves before. You know, I think even uh, depending on what they try to do and whether they can fit him in, a team like San Jose might try to get a Nick Letty because their D is getting a little older. I don't, it doesn't seem like Eric Carlson's going to stay. Um, so they might need another guy who moves the puck and skates well. I just think there's a there's a market for guys like that, um, and the Islanders know what they need. And what they need, I think some teams have uh, in abundance or maybe don't know what they have or just want to be rid of something. So, uh, you know, you're not going to make that move for a, for a necessarily a, a surefire top-line winger um, or someone who's a little bit younger, but I think you can, you can make a like-for-like kind of move similar cap hit similar age range and that's you know those are the guys that jumped out at me and I, and I think um, it's not necessarily a case where I keep saying it so it's got to be true that they're <laughs> looking to move Nick Letty but I think it's just from talking to people around the league and um, you know nobody nobody says boo about what Lou talks about you know when he's discussing trades with other teams but it's certainly you certainly get the sense um, from talking to people, uh, you know, it's kind of third party people. And then uh, just, uh, you know, your own eyes tell you that this is a defense core that might still be okay without him um, and needs to improve in other areas and you have to give up to get. So uh, he's really the most obvious, obvious candidate uh, to be able to get something good back. And also, you know, keeping the cap hit in a one for one type of situation whether you may be getting a little bit less value back overall uh, with a guy like Zucker, maybe even though it's the same cap hit, maybe he's not as valuable to, as a guy like Letty. Um, but it frees you up to do other things. Um, you know, they still they can still move forward and still be however much under the cap that they are. You know, Panarin really is the definition of a pipe dream. It just doesn't <laughs> seem like, you know, the Islanders, obviously, yes, they, they're in New York, kind of. Everyone always talks about, well, we have Russians here too, and it'll be nice. But you know, this is a guy who vacations in South Beach and loves mm. Southern California and can choose where he wants to be now. And I, and uh, I think it's just it's just uphill sledding for the Islanders too much when it comes to the big, big, big name guys on the open market. So um, you know, I don't think he's coming, but 
they're still going to be in there swinging and making an offer. And, and that's, you know, that's what they do. That's what Garth used to do. That's what Lou does. It doesn't stop you just because people don't think people don't think you're serious. Um, so that's why I feel like the realistic part is when you get into the next tier of guys like Skinner, um, who, yeah, would, you know, Panarin would be amazing. Panarin would be, would change the way, you know, he would change the way that Barry Trotz coached the team. He's that good a player. But I think if you can get Jeff Skinner and if it's eight and a half or nine, it's going to be, it's going to be more than most people think he deserves, but it doesn't matter because that's what you have to do in free agency. I was going to say that's the time. <laughs> right. And especially if you're a team like the Islanders, cause it's still, you still got to go above what everybody else is offering to convince someone to come. Um, mm. But also you have, you or have just the, show them the schools, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, <laughs> right, I don't know if Jeff Skinner is. Well, that's how you get thirty-one-year-old free agents. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, a guy like Jeff Skinner, I think you just show him some Matthew Barzal clips and say, "This right. guy is going to be your your center for the next seven years." Go, you know, have at it. Um, that's you know, I think the forty goals he got last year are gonna gonna look uh, kind of uh, boring yeah. <laughs> after that. Uh, there's no guarantees, but so yeah, I mean, I think, I think you start thinking about guys like Skinner and then, and then, you know, if, if a good trade doesn't materialize, um, you know, I, I think the trade route is the best way to kind of get that second line left or right wing or someone who's, who's versatile to put in that top six. If you're thinking more about free agency, you know, a guy like Marcus Johansson, who I think we mentioned a lot at the trade deadline and who didn't cost the Bruins very much and certainly has helped them immensely. Um, Marcus Johansson, Gustav Nyquist. Uh, then you get into that range in terms of free agents, guys that you can probably go out and get if you're going to, I think, overpay for them is more like $5 million instead of $4 million for for a different kind of team. But uh, but then you're not looking at, at a perfect fit. You know, I think the, the perfect fit for them is a guy who plays, uh, you know, on the wing with Barzell, who who was probably a lefty shot, plays on the opposite half wall on the power play, who's the trigger man that they haven't had on the power play before this year. Um, and a guy who's, you know, got some star wattage because this, mm. this team, as we said, needs to, they need to change the way that they play a little bit and start becoming more of a, a force offensively as opposed to one that just kind of grinds you into submission that that can work, but it also grinds yourself into submission. And that's <laughs> part of kind of a part of the reason they went out with the, the time that they did in the postseason. Yes. Skinner is definitely that kind of sniper mold that we've been talking about this whole time, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, Mike Hoffman is another guy who, right. who had a big, big year because he was playing on that half wall and Florida's power play was excellent this year. So, um, you know, I, I think you start thinking about guys like that, and there are guys available like that. When we circle back around to talking about Brock Nelson, there's nobody, <laughs> maybe, or maybe one other guy like Brock Nelson that's that's available. There's maybe some guys in, in, on the trade market that we're not thinking of, but uh, but yeah. And then I think you know, just to kind of round it out, the the offer sheet situation. There certainly will be lots of candidates, and Kapanen to me is a guy who's probably undervalued uh, and would have to take. Uh, pretty significant, um, you know, under under market contract on his on his next deal, a bridge deal, almost certainly to stay in Toronto because of what Mitch Marner is going to get. Um, and I think, you know, this guy scored 20 goals and he played most of the year with Patrick Marlowe. I think he's he's that's that says to me that he might have a little more potential in him. And uh, <laughs> and Lou, and Lou certainly saw enough of him uh, while he was up there. So I think he's 
to my mind, it's not Marner and the four first round picks or anything like that. I think it's a guy like that where you, you only have to give up one first rounder uh, to get into a range where the Leafs might be willing to let him go. My personal feeling is Toronto will probably trade him rather than let someone offer sheet him uh, mm-hmm. so they can at least get something back other than draft picks. Um because you never know what the gamble is going to be, you know what the what the offer sheet number comes in at. So, I think maybe a trade for him would work, but that that's more young assets rather than you know like a Letty for him type of deal. Because I don't think Toronto could necessarily work with Letty's con- adding Letty's contract to their their cap situation. But uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be uh, you know interesting to see if anybody takes takes that leap uh, on the offer sheet front and and if the Islanders are in there because certainly Lou you know hey he's 76 what does he care <laughs> nobody's people are gonna get gonna get revenge on him it's not gonna happen so uh, I'm yeah, curious right. to see what happens yeah I wonder that I feel like there, there's like once every four years or so that that uh that this starts coming around with the offer sheets and nothing ever comes in comes out of it. It's just the same thing. It's just good, good column, column inches for for uh, guys like Arthur Staple. <laughs> yes, you know me. All I all I, all I seek is con- <laughs> conflict and strife with yes. other with other fan bases. So. <laughs> I, so wait, the last one was Penner, right? That's is that I'm not missing anyone. I think Shea Weber was after him. Well, Shea, the la- last one that actually was successful, I think, was Dustin Penner. Dustin oh, yeah. Penner. Right. Yeah. So that's which is, which is another reason to. I mean, it, obviously, the landscape of of contracts and salary caps has changed quite a bit since then. But um, I liked it way back when, when I was a kid, when if you sign somebody to an offer sheet, then the arbit the league or the arbit an arbitrator just said, "All right, well, you guys get that guy off the mm. roster." Then uh, the Brendan Shanahan, Scott right, Stevens, Scott where Stevens. it's just <laughs> somebody just like has a big board. And closes their eyes and throws a dart and says, "Like, well, sorry, you guys, uh, Matthew, you wanted to sign uh, Mitch Marner. I'm sorry, we're giving Matthew Barzal to Toronto because that <laughs> that would add a whole other element of excitement to it." Oh man, yeah, that would be exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if there's because the, the crop of restricted free agents. I mean, even you know, going Anthony Beauvillier is is obviously not in the same tier, but I mean, he's basically the bottom of a really really good pile. Do you actually? Do you, if 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 you were if we were to make a bet, would you would you bet twenty dollars on yes there will be an offer sheet this this off season or no? You know it's hard to say because I feel like sometimes those those situations come right to the edge and then the GM gets wind of it from an agent and he says all right well we'll just work out a trade here so that you know we're not no you know people don't walk away angry I mean, I'm sure they they do walk away angry but. Um, you know, there's probably situations that you don't hear about that have gotten close in years past where, um, you know, there was a, there was kind of a mysterious trade or, or, you know, someone, uh, you know, like a Carolina Chicago where with the, with the Brian Bickle, Tavo mm-hmm. Teravainen trade, you know, maybe situations like that where, um, it didn't start out necessarily as please take this bad contract and we'll give you this good <laughs> young guy. Maybe it started out as, we're going to offer sheet your guy. Yeah. I always so. wonder that too. Like we only ever hear when a guy signs an offer sheet, like we don't right. ever know that, you know, Oh yeah. They, they sent him an offer sheet. We never hear that part. We always hear that they signed it. Like Shea right. Weber signed that, that offer sheet from the flyers and then the, the predators had to match it. So I was, yeah, like the same thing. I wonder how much we don't hear. Yeah. And I imagine if it's the Islanders that get close and don't have it accepted and it leaks out, um, somebody's, somebody's hands and feet are going to get cut off. <laughs> so. Uh, right. It may not even be worth it. 
<laughs> yeah, also true. Uh, I know we, we've gone over the time that I asked if you had tonight. So I just <laughs> real real quick. Um, again, the, the article is great, and we'll, we'll obviously put the link there. And, and if you haven't already signed up for The Athletic, I don't know what your problem is. Yes, they have a lot of Leafs guys who likes to take shots at the Islanders, but they also have Arthur, who is great, who we need as Islanders fans. We need his information because he has, he has, writes great articles like this uh, where he says uh, somewhere, uh, and I don't have it in front of me, that uh, Leo Komarov could potentially be a buyout candidate. I know that you're just speculating here, but uh, I mean, is that is that seriously a possibility? Like, I hadn't thought that that was even on the table. But I mean, obviously, I would I'll take, take the, the, the three of us out for a steak dinner at like <laughs> Ruth, Ruth's Chris if if that happens. Not in celebration, yeah, just in no. the fact that I think there is zero chance that happens. Yeah. I'm looking at cap yeah. friendly right now, and it, they would save a lot the first year, but. Second year, not so much. It still, they'd still be paying two point two million against a cap, then one point seven million against a cap. But then it goes down to like seven, seven grand, seven, seven hundred grand uh, after that. So um, I don't know. That would be no offense to Leo, but that would be a huge favor to the Islanders if they were to do that. You know, I I think it's that's why it's the ideal scenario. <laughs> it's, I think it's the thing that makes a lot of sense, but no, I don't, I don't think there's. I think. The, the chances, the percentages that Artemi Panarin signs with the Islanders and that Leo Komarov get bought out this summer are probably very similar. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I, because I, you know, it's funny when, when Garth was in charge and he would do things like sign Dennis Seidenberg on April 27th to another one year deal where people would throw their hands up and say like, what is he doing? And I, you know, he's around every day. He likes to see, how people interact and how much that matters. And the, the roster part of it is immaterial to him. Lou isn't completely like that, but, but Barry Trotz is like that. Chemistry is very important to the coach. And I think a guy like Leo, I don't think they feel, I think they feel like it would be, you know, criminally insulting to buy him out after he made mostly positive contributions to a team that had 103 points and made the second round. So uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen this summer. I think it could happen next summer, um, because I don't really see his his skill set uh, improving. Um, and I think with a different center, and I don't necessarily think Val Philpola is a guy who's going to come roaring back for another year. <laughs> but it could certainly happen. Um, I don't think that you know that third line is going to catch lightning in a bottle the way that it did this season, especially at the beginning. So. Um, you know, I think we're going to see Leo Komarov do what he does, which is not produce a lot offensively, um, get a little older, kill penalties, <laughs> aggravate people, mostly his own teammates, uh, with his with some jokes <laughs> in the penalties. locker room. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, in a, in a logical, cold-blooded world, sure, you you sign enough guys, and you say it's not necessarily about the cap savings; it's about the bodies. You don't want a guy whose skills are less than the guys you could have in there blocking people. Um, but this is not, you know, these are actual human beings and they forge relationships. And I know that that gets in the way of the fun we can have with the armchair GM, but <laughs> that's, that's life. And so, no, I don't think he should be, he'll be bought out. I don't even know if he should be bought out because <laughs> maybe there's, you know, much like a Johnny Boychuk who, whose skills are probably, diminishing with every shot that he blocks um he, they still bring something to being around the team and and playing 40 games or 50 games or whatever it is so um i don't uh, i don't see it happening uh, maybe in the summer of 2020 depending on what else they've got uh this year um 
but who knows? You know, Lou is uh, Lou is just business kind of guy, and um, I think that's why there's a small chance of it happening uh, this year. Very very small, but still out there. Depending on what else they do, um, but yeah, more most likely he'll be back. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I could see uh, you had Brian Boyle in there. I could see I'm looking at the cap friendly now. I could see Marcus Kruger in that that third line spot maybe too. Uh, who's a UFA? So. Uh, yeah, or, or I can see Val coming back and, yeah, probably not scoring 17 goals again like he did no. last year. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot up there, a lot a lot kind of up in the air this year. And, again, the article I thought was, was really cool. I mean, it showed – ideal – I mean, I think we all know that there's a chance that the roster that the Islanders start with next year would be – like have bits and pieces of all of these things and not be you know, maybe none, none, like nothing, none of them. But, you know, it's cool to kind of look at things this way and think of it in terms of like, OK, what's the best case scenario? All right. Now, what what can we you know, you start taking pieces away until you're still happy with it, until you get to the point where you're not happy with it. And you're like, this is bad. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, there's a lot of space between the ideal and this is bad scenario. So it was very cool. Um, so uh, what uh, what's on tap uh, so far? I mean, you, the, the se- their season has been over again for a month, but you are definitely working straight on through to the draft and, and even after that. Right. I mean, wh- uh, what can what can you tell us that you have coming up at the athletic this summer? Uh, you know, good stuff. It's it's uh, it's definitely a different kind of summer than last summer. That was just chasing uh chasing the news around the country whether it was (laughs) blue coming in uh garth and doug going out barry trotz coming in when we were flying to the draft um and then the Tavares uh hunt which was seemingly (laughs) endless and it and i think some of the stories that i've got in the works for the next couple weeks kind of address some of the shortcomings that i had to cut bait on last year around the draft, which is looking at, at some of the guys that they drafted last year. And we've written a, a quite a bit about Oliver Wallstrom. And now that he's turned pro, uh, you know, he's going to be a little bit more in the mix uh, closer to the big club, but they drafted some other interesting, interesting players, you know, Noah Dobson still playing uh, in a second straight Memorial cup. And that's, and he's that's going to have a chance to go back to the Memorial cup now too, because they won tonight. So oh, yeah, okay. he might have a, he might have a chance to, to back, win another one back to back. Yeah. Mm. And I, and I think, uh, you know, leaving that sort of success aside, I think, and I think I had him in the ideal top six mm. on D, um, just because you want to have a guy who's 19, who's got all that experience, uh, put it into practice. And I think he had a terrific camp last year and, and, uh, just another piece of, uh, of the future puzzle for this organization, uh, you know, it took him at 12, but he's arguably, you know, I think it's him and Evan Bouchard for maybe the best, uh, defenseman to come out of that draft outside of Rasmus Dahlin. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting to to catch up with him. Um, I had a chance to chat with Bodie Wild not long ago, and and uh, I've got a big story coming out about him. And he had a pretty successful year. Again, uh, mentioning Evan Bouchard, who's who was drafted by the Oilers um, when Edmonton sent him back to the OHL. Uh, it was Bouchard and Bodie Wild who were really neck and neck for OHL Defenseman of the Year, and Bouchard ended up winning it. But uh, but Bodie Wild. Had a pretty big year, and I think uh, he kind of came into the season with a with a pretty big chip on his shoulder for having fallen out of the, the projected first round pick that uh, that he thought he was going to be, and getting picked forty first overall. And um, you know, I think fans are going to be pretty excited, and, and he may be the kind of guy who who <clears throat> you know they they drafted him out of the U.S. development program, not out of the OHL, so he can turn pro next year at nineteen, and and mm-hmm. uh, that adds an interesting wrinkle too to 
what he's got coming in the prospect camp and in the regular training camp next year. So um, taking a little bit closer look at some of the draft picks from last year who, you know, it, it was a big draft for the Islanders. And, and uh, you know, I think it kind of fell by the wayside in terms of newsworthiness because of the whole Tavares situation. But uh, but there's there's some interesting um, there's some interesting kids uh, that are going to be uh, around prospect camp and now in the organization. And I think, uh, you know, delving a little bit deeper into what they bring uh, will also help amplify why Lou Lamorello didn't make a trade at the trade deadline, because <laughs> I think people were asking for a lot of these kids and, uh, and he wanted to see what they've got. So uh, that's, that's to come in the next couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, guessing at whom they'll pick with the 23rd pick, um, which will be a complete guess on my part. That's why we have guys like Corey Promen to write about, <laughs> write about all the draft prospects and give the ins and outs of, of all of them. And then uh, we'll be out in Vancouver, which uh, I have a sneaking suspicion if, if we're looking for a Nick Letty trade, uh, that's probably the time it'll happen. And if there's another trade that Lou has up his sleeve for, for some more skill, that might involve that, that first round pick, which comes in at, like I said, 23rd overall, that'll obviously be the time that it happens. Um, and then before you know it, that contact period mm. will be here. Mike's, fa- Mike's favorite week, and uh, <laughs> and, it'll, and it'll coincide with prospect camp. So I'll have my mm. eyes uh, on the front door of uh, of Northwell Health Ice Center and mm. on the ice. It'll be great. Yeah. We'll see who's getting a tour there uh, this yeah, year. Right. I have a uh, my my bold prediction, and it has to do with that that pro- that that Hell Week because we lost him in Hell Week. Is that the Islanders? We'll get Franz Nielsen back this off season. Wow, just that's to, wow. yeah, that's, that's bold. What, that is because I just you know with Stevie Stevie Eiserman going in there like he'll do, that's a contract that he can probably shed. The Islanders I think would would be okay with taking him to to fill basically weird Franz's role in Val Philpola. <laughs> so like it's like hey. basically a like for like, and then uh, yeah, that, that's just. That's my my prediction is that the Islanders they end up getting uh, Franz back. That's a, that's an interesting one. You know, Philpola was was Franz Franz is, was Philpola Junior. It's not the other <laughs> way around because because that, yeah, that's true. So it's but but uh, you know that's one scenario that I uh, that I looked at. I thought there was still a little too much meat left on the bone of uh, of Franz's contract. But um, hey, maybe if they pay a little bit of it, you never know. I was going to say they're going to have to withhold a lot of that uh that salary or send it to the islanders and pizza either way they're gonna have to make up for it because that is <laughs> definitely gonna be uh a little bit weird and uh we did all this we talked all this time about all this stuff and we didn't mention the word belmont once so that'll we'll have to worry about for next time because that's going to be a whole other thing if that that that's another month of stories right there if that uh that thing finally gets off the ground but uh we look forward to all of those things we thank you so much art for coming on with us we really appreciate it i know you you know this is this is a time when you have time to actually write stuff as opposed to during the course of the year so thanks a lot for coming on with us uh, we always appreciate it and uh hopefully maybe we'll get you on again at some point we, we have no idea when when we do these things or how long we're gonna go but uh you know we always look forward to talking to you and getting your insider information all right guys thanks a lot anytime and uh mike uh i'll talk to you i don't know whenever <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. When, when's the draft? <laughs> next oh, month? I don't know. It's Sometime like June, next month. Yeah, it's something. late June or something. I looked yeah. it up. It's like the 23rd, I think, of June. Something yeah. Like that. So, uh, yeah. Well, I have absolutely no idea who's available or, uh, uh, you know, what they're going to do. But uh, uh, surprise, well, we'll, surprise. We'll, we'll get together when, when they trade for France. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I'll throw a big party. Big 51 party. Uh, speaking of the draft, look out for uh, SB Nation mock draft coming up. Uh, I know Dom made our pick, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but uh, it's pretty cool, I think. I think it's probably going to be a pretty good player, but I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, so who knows. Hopefully Dom does. <laughs> I trust him more than I trust myself. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks again to Arthur Staple for coming on with us, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, when we talk to you. Uh, oh, follow Mike on Twitter at the Big Lebowski with two E's. You're already following Arthur Staple. You should already be at State Athletic. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.